The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 97th ever show of all around sports, our final four weekend edition. And each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call in number is 1 888 346 9144, or you can email me at iir at which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of this week is the recovery ongoing recovery and heartwarming national response to Louisville player Kevin Ware's gruesome leg injury last Sunday afternoon. Uh, I was busy, as many are, with uh, Easter and uh, heard about it moments after it happened, but also, uh, also DVR'd it. And I pretty much DVR all games, shall we say, especially when I know I can't be watching live. And this is the all-time classic example of uh, why I'm glad I do this, because the aftermath of that injury is just uh, something I'll never forget. The players crying, the reaction of the Louisville players on the bench that happened right in front of them. Uh, you know, legendary coaches Mike Krzyzewski and Rick Pitino literally crying profusely, sobbing. Uh, again, the Louisville players, the Duke players in particular, the one who was taking the jump shot that Kevin Ware tried to block when he came down. Uh, again, non-contact injury. Amazing. Uh, when he came down and, and broke his leg. And again, it was, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes of television. I don't think any of us will ever forget. Um, you know, the fact that Kevin Ware is up and around so quickly, you know, did the news conference a few days later, walking in on crutches, uh, you know, his inspirational messages as he lay on the floor to his teammates to just win the game, what he said to his mom, I mean, just all incredible stuff. Uh, I did an interview with ESPN earlier this week, a couple of days ago, 
and very likable and seems to already have, you know, put his injury in perspective. So, uh, just truly, by all accounts, an amazing young man. And uh, I thought the CBS coverage of it live from watching it on the DVR a couple of times uh, was just perfectly handled. Uh, there's no script for this stuff, as we in the media know. And uh, I just thought in every way they they had the right tone for handling this. And, uh, and you know, the, the aftermath, the, the, the texts he's received from literally... Uh, everyone across the country, if not the world, and particularly noting from Kobe Bryant, I guess he's gotten calls from Oprah Winfrey and Michelle Obama. So it has just been an outpouring of support for this young man. And uh, he's from Atlanta. He will be in Atlanta this weekend for the Final Four. And, uh, you know, it just feels like everybody's going to be rooting for Louisville because of him. It's just that simple. I mean, they're, they're just playing gangbusters. They look frankly unbeatable. And, uh, and now you add in this as inspiration. And, uh, I think it adds new meaning to a, uh, a team on a mission, shall we say. Unfortunately, this leads into my lowlights of the week, which really are, uh, in the college game. And it is just, dramatically overshadowed Final Four week, which is just a shame. Uh, I, of course, am speaking about uh, college coaches and officials behaving badly, uh, headlined, of course, by Coach Mike Rice at Rutgers, uh, the now-famous video of him verbally and physically abusing his players, and uh, he was rightly fired, and... Now his uh, his assistant coach has resigned. Uh, the athletic director, Tim Pernetti, has been fired. And uh, they're all gone in the wake of this video. Uh, there's a press conference uh, about to begin here in the next few minutes down at Rutgers. And, uh, you know, it's just been... Uh, an unbelievable situation. I mean, it just led the local Boston news where I'm headquartered uh, a mere half an hour ago. Uh, the lead story was the AD, Pernetti, being let go. And uh, obviously the video is deeply disturbing. And the reaction nationwide was as swift and unanimous as I can remember. Uh, it just, uh, he had to go. Just that simple. So, uh, you know... It's 2013, and, you know, these kind of things can just not go on. The other thing was uh, Pac-12 Director of Officials, Ed Rush. He has resigned that position um, after stories came out uh, of him offering a bounty, if you will, a vacation to Cancun, as well as money to officials who would, quote, run Arizona coach Sean Miller, meaning uh, hit him up with a technical and or eject him from the game. That actually did happen in the Pac-12 tournament. And uh, so just, again, 
Another sad situation, of course, what Rush and even Pac-12 Commissioner uh, Larry Scott was initially saying was it was all a joke. Uh, there's one, uh, one take-home message from this, uh, again, 2013, you just can't joke about anything even remotely sensitive. And when you're the director of officials talking about running a coach uh, to the officials who work under you, uh, obviously very sensitive. So again, just, uh, just a tough situation. And this leads right into uh, my bizarre story of the week, which are the new allegations against Auburn, uh, altering grades allegedly, paying players allegedly. And uh, so the, the, the coach Gene Chizik National Championship era of just a couple of years ago uh, continues to, you know, be under a cloud. Um, it just, stuff just keeps coming out. Of course, we all remember how it started with, uh, you know, with Cam Newton and all that. And now this, and it just seems like it is, uh, one thing after another. So, um, we'll see where, where this goes, but again, you know, tough week for college sports, particularly tough when it comes during final four week. Uh, you know, and after, you know, the, what started out as a horrible incident with Kevin Ware, but has now, you know, become inspirational for many people. So to have this, uh, you know, other stuff bringing down the Kevin Ware story and the final four week is frankly just a shame. My event of the week that I attended was, uh, Chris Heron. Uh, author of Hoops Junkie. Uh, he talked at my local high school, literally two minutes from where I live. So I went down and saw him for the first time on Monday evening. He was fantastic telling his story of how drug addiction derailed his promising career. I knew about Chris Heron up here. He's, he's from Fall River, Massachusetts, a legendary high school player. Uh, I knew about him when he was in high school, saw him play, and uh, went to Boston College, ran into drug problems, ended up with Jerry Tarkanian at Long Beach State, still had drug problems, went to the NBA, Denver Nuggets, Celtics, and again, uh, problems, drug addiction problems all along the way, and to hear him tell his story is just absolutely riveting, compelling, inspirational. Spoke to him for a few minutes afterwards. Uh, he is a highly sought after speaker and was terrific to talk to afterwards. He spoke, uh, just a little over a month ago down in Charlotte, North Carolina at an NFL player engagement event that I wrote about and talked to some of the attendees of his speech that night who just raved about him. So I was so glad to get to see him. And, uh, again, he's, Goes around the country talking to all types of organizations, including high school. That's his target audience to help prevent these kids from ending up like he did, quite frankly. And he would be the first to put it that way. So now as my former co-host from outside the huddle, Lemont Williams, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine.
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football, and we'll talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about, either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go? You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how you doing today? I'm pretty good, John. Doing very well, thank you. That's good. Well, thanks, as always, for joining us. And crazy week in college athletics. That is your area of expertise. And I touched on all of the raging controversies in the first segment of the show. And, uh, you know, where do we start? I think we should start in, a, in your specific area of expertise, working for Bama Magazine, which is, you know, Alabama. And that means... Auburn as well as Alabama, and they are now, obviously, uh, the most recent controversy to, to pop up this week after Rutgers and Pac-10 Director of Officials Ed Rush. So want to get your take on all of them, but again, why don't we start with uh, your take on the Auburn story, which broke yesterday, I believe, from uh, former Sports Illustrator writer Selena Roberts. Yeah, John, when... Auburn was investigated a few years ago about the Cam Newton situation. You thought maybe things might quiet down uh, a little bit from the school on the loveliest plain, the village there. But 
but uh, Selena Roberts, she wrote this story, and she spoke to the young player Michael McNeil, who's up for armed robbery trial fairly soon. So I think there was some motivation on the part of maybe his defense lawyers that they wanted to bring it up at this time. Wow. Uh, you know, because that synthetic marijuana defense, it causes you to do uh, many things after you partake in that that type of activity. So maybe that's one of the things they want to throw a monkey wrench into the minds of of the jurors or something. But uh, right away, when you're reading all this information, it's confusing and contradicting statements. Uh, even after Selena Roberts wrote the stories, uh, a few of the other players, they they went to their Twitter account and said right away that the statements were taken out of context and misstatements and uh so when you're reading the information, you're just trying to make heads or tails of who's telling the truth. It's not so clear. Uh, you know, it's like my daddy used to say, it's clear as mud. Uh, <laughs> right. Well uh, said. You know, Selena Roberts reports that no phone calls were made to the athletes about testing positive for the drug, yet the Auburn athletic director has come out and said there were 50 calls made you know, to these different players. So who do you believe? It's a he said, she said type of situation and to sort through everything i think you just can't read something in one day it's going to evolve and it's still a fluid situation um you know the ncaa made a thorough investigation they didn't find any major violations a couple years back do you really think they're going to go there and retrace all their steps again when they spent so much money in the first the first time well that's a great question and that's just a great perspective i mean uh frankly i wasn't Overly aware about armed robbery charges and, you know, facing the source, so one of the main sources. So, you know, this is, again, great, unique perspective that you bring, which we appreciate. And, uh, yeah, you know, this Auburn National Championship, it just continues to, uh, you know, live, be under a cloud even, I think, two years later. And the whole Gene Chizik regime and... Uh, it's crazy. It just is. You know, it just doesn't go away. No, John, and even, for instance, the ESPN, ESPN story that came out, there was a claim that the drug was made illegal in Alabama in August of 2010. Well, I heard somebody today, and it was reported yesterday by AL.com, that the drug was not made illegal until October 2011. So even that is, you know, a clear-cut fact like that is not even straight in the minds of people reporting this story. Right, right. Wow. Well, this one's going. This one has has a lot of, uh, as, as we say in the business, a lot of legs still yet to be uh, to be run uh, on this story. And you know, again, I think you and I have that media radar and. You know, this one's not going to go away for a while, and a lot more information is still to come out. And and then to your earlier point, the NCAA, that's a whole other issue as far as, you know, what did they do with, with the Cam Newton investigation, and will they, you know, somehow need to get reinvolved? And, you know, uh, after the whole Miami situation, uh, you know, the NCAA is equally in question these days. Yeah, that was a fiasco, so, th- so they're... You know, people are suspicious about their ability to oversee the investigations. And going back to the original report, you know, Selena Roberts herself has come under fire through the years for some of her stories. 
So, and what I can gather, she brought it to different venues and, you know, media outlets, and they wouldn't print it. And so she started up her own website because they did not accept all the facts that she had in the story. So Really? Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, there's so, there's so many twists and turns. It's just not something that's apparent. You know, even if you read everything, it's still you're still wondering. Now, wait a minute! I just read something. This person reported one fact, and then this other one contradicted. So, who am I to believe? Uh, I, I will tell you that I did speak to somebody about Michael McNeil, and in high school, he was a, a player that gave his coaches no difficulty whatsoever. I mean, he's Clifton McNeil's grandson. If that um, tells you anything about him, he. Clifton was a play at Grambling, and he's uh, played for the Browns and the 49ers and the Giants years ago. Okay, uh, he did, he was a, a you know model citizen in high school, and then they had this armed robbery charge with three other players. So, uh, who knows what happens when you get to college and you get around other people that have a different way of life, you know, a different lifestyle. Right, that's true. Things change once you go to school, uh, go away to school for the. For most people, the first time in their life away from home, and uh, yikes. Well, that's story one on the college sports front. Story two, but the one that's obviously getting the most attention, was literally the lead story in the Boston News an hour ago. Uh, the Boston local news, of course, is Rutgers. Uh, the specific lead story was the AD has been... Uh, let go as I speak. They are just beginning the press conference at Rutgers. Um, uh, the assistant coach Martelli uh, resigned, I believe, this morning, and obviously the head coach, the center of all of this, uh, Mike Rice, was fired the other day. So the video is uh, disturbing, shall we say, to say the least. And AP, I. Uh, you know, talked uh, talked at length in the opening segment about, you know, the Rutgers story, and uh, it is just simply uh, incredible, incredible to watch the, the, the ferocity, ferocity, shall we say, of the video, uh, you know, both the physical throwing of the ball, kicking his players, pushing them from behind, which can be very dangerous, more so than pushing them from the, you know, from the front. And then obviously just the verbal part of it was just, uh, you know, very, very uh, hard to hear. So anxious to get your take on, uh, on an AP, the Rutgers situation. Yeah, I think one of the uh, items that popped out to me, John, was the president who was hired in September – he did not review the film until last week. Yep. Which I thought was highly unusual because this is one of the two you know, revenue-producing sports at, at the Division One institutions. It should have had his you know, uh, total focus and concentration on this issue. And you, you think he'd want to be aware of everything and all the information and have a chance to digest it himself before he reviewed the athletic director's uh, suggestion to just uh, suspend the coach for three games and penalize him $75,000 in fines and lost salary and then send him to anger management. I, I sure would want to be reviewing that video or looking at any information I could before I 
agreed with the athletic director. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned the two revenue-producing sports, but the truth is, is, uh, you know, I'm from the Northeast, and, you know, Rutgers basketball is, is the flagship program in the university, uh, going back to literally the days of, you know, Phil Sellers, literally going back decades. I mean, uh, a famous program, shall we say, and, uh, you know, as a result of the AD's non-actions last going back to November. Now they have to do, you know, pay him a big uh, payout, a, a package, if you will, that he's entitled to that he would not have been entitled to had he been, uh, you know, let go around November when it first surfaced. But inexcusable. There's no other way to say it. I mean, the amazing part of this story, AP, is that it, the reaction has been 100% unanimous from every corner of the country that he had to be fired immediately. Uh, I mean, the, the, there is no one arguing that decision. Right. The, the athletic director, I believe that was one of his first hires maybe <clears throat> a few years ago. So maybe he thought, I really have to go to the wall for this person and try to rehabilitate him and see if I could come up with something less than terminating uh, him from this university. But I, I think he went so far over the line, there was yep. a pattern of unacceptable behavior. If it was an incident, you might have had an argument, I think, you know, but you still would have been close to the line of acceptability. But it seemed to be a pattern, and he really didn't have a choice, but he tried to, you know, formulate one that was acceptable, and uh, but it turned out to be the wrong one for him and, and his president as well. Right. Well, he 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 may be next on the chopping block. That literally the president of the university. I'm looking right at him, Robert. Uh, is it Barchi? Is that how you, how Bar, you know? Bar, Barchi or B A R C H? Something like that. My TV is not as clear as it should right. be. But anyway, um, you know, he he looks like he could be next, and. Uh, Again, just a crazy situation. And another one, crazy, is this whole Ed Rush situation out in the Pac-12 where he, similar to the Rutgers situation, <clears throat> you know, committed a pretty grievous offense, especially when you consider his position, director of officiating, who he said this to, his officials. But he, yet he initially got uh, Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott's support, if you will, not support, but Scott didn't fire him, put it that way, and... Russia's resigned, so what's your take on that one? That's a crazy one, too. Yeah, I heard somebody tell me recently that most of the statements people make in jest are what they really believe. So when he tried to retract those statements uh, as being said in jest, I don't think it held water. And I don't, I don't think he had any choice but to resign I agree. I agree. I mean, again, there was a firestorm brewing there, and, uh, you know, as, as some people have said, such as Colin Cowherd on ESPN Radio, uh, you, you know, uh, Ed Rush should be sending a thank you note to Rutgers because it, it took the Ed Rush story and squarely put it second, you know, second behind that, uh, you know, and now with the Auburn thing, maybe third. Uh, so, you know, it's just, uh, again, a disturbing story. I agree with you 100% about, you know, many, many people. It's the oldest trick in the book to, you know, 
float something out there, quote, in jest, but that's really what you want to say. And then, you know, if it's not received maybe the way you want it to or blows up down the road like this did, then, you know, you can fall back on the I was joking. But again, just like Rutgers video, that's not going to fly in 2013. You know, it's just, it's a new world, a new era. And, you, you know, it's just, uh, it's just, again, not, not going to fly in, in this day and age of, uh, you know, political correctness, especially at the college level where you're dealing with young men. Not oh, being yeah, paid. John, did you happen to see that Chipper Jones uh, defended the actions of the Rutgers coach to some degree? I did not. Yeah, it was on his Twitter account. He talked about when he was in high school, you know, coaches would rant and rave and things would happen, and he said to kind of just get over it. That was his mentality, and I just, I just thought it was really strange for him to come out and make those statements because – Maybe maybe some things did happen when he was a young fellow years ago, and, and you know things have changed over the decades, as you as you said. But I could imagine if that was his son, he was in practice and watching a coach throw the basketball at the back of his head, or shove him, or call him some, you know, make some derogatory comments. I, I don't think in person he would have st- stood for that kind of conduct. Well, excellent point. Because before we go to break, because. That's exactly how I view this situation and many others. I instantly say to myself, if that was my son, how would I feel as I'm watching the video? And, and it's just that simple, and, and that helps drive my judgment. Yeah, I think that's the reasonable person test, John. You, you stated it uh, uh, accurately. Yes, well, geez, you know, again, Final Four weekend, and here we are. We haven't even gotten to the Final Four, so we'll save that. For after the break, and uh, great perspective, AP, as always. And so we'll take our break now, and we'll get into some Final Four and other college topics right after the break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. On this week's program, we'll have Gary Hamby from Deer Dirt and outdoor writer Scott Bestial, and he'll tell us how to use chainsaws for deer management. Hey, we also have another outdoor writer, David Hart and Brent Eaton with Polaris. I love Polaris. When we talk about food plots and deer management. And as always, it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. 
Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., I said we are going to talk some Final Four, and we will. But first, uh, there was the passing this week of really a legendary college sports figure down at Alabama, that being, of course, Mal Moore. And I know you have uh, some personal recollections of Mal, so I wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah, Mal Moore was uh, an instrumental figure in the last 50 years of Alabama athletics. He, he was a player on the national championship team in 1961, was a longtime assistant, uh, I believe it was 20 years or so, with Coach Bryant at Alabama, and they won many national championships. And then later in life, he... He, he went off to uh, coach at Notre Dame and with the St. Louis and Arizona Cardinals and made his way back to Alabama with Gene Stallings to win another national championship. And uh, then he has life interrupted. His wife, uh, Charlotte, uh, had Alzheimer's at a very young age. So for the last 18 years or so, he, he took care of her. But then he was thrust into an administrative role because he had to retire from the field to take care of her needs. And he, he's the type of person that, John, the last bunch of years in the United States, you know, there's been an economic downturn, but he was able to raise $240 million for the university for capital improvements. I mean, there's not very many people who could achieve that goal during those rough economic times. But he was a you know, true Southern gentleman, and he was a genuine and sincere person. And, you know, talking to him, you never know that he had the – the title, the you know, powerful title of director of athletics for the University of Alabama, and I was so wow. glad to be in New York City at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel to see him receive the John L. Toner Award for Excellence as a director of athletics, and we had a chance to visit and talk that day. And he, you know, one of the things I asked him about, I said, Coach, you've come a long way from the little South Alabama t- town of Dozier in Crenshaw County, and he just pause for a moment you could see it was a a sentimental moment for him and he said you don't know how far and he went on to talk about his mom and daddy and working on the farm every day and he was just thrilled to be there and never dreamed you know he would achieve so much in his life so lucky for the alabama people the the reality was bigger than the dream and he gave so much to the people and and yesterday they had a memorial service for him a private ceremony in the morning and a public ceremony at the Coleman Coliseum where Alabama plays basketball in a big 15,000-seat arena. 
but he was, you know, you won't see people like him in college athletics uh, probably again. He, he's an unlike. He was the most unlikely character, John, to you know, ascend to this Mount Rushmore of Alabama athletics. He's an unassuming person, but he could get things done. And in words like oneness and and striving for excellence, those were not just superfluous words or phrases. He, those were attainable goals that he tried to pursue every day when he was trying to make Alabama better. And better he did make them. I mean, he's uh, to say that Alabama's on top of the college football wor- world is obviously a complete understatement. He is, uh, they've won, what, three out of four national championships? Is three out of four. And John, uh, Coach Moore, he had ten national championship football rings. There's not many people that can say that as a player, as a coach, and as an administrator. Oh, my gosh. That's unbelievable. I don't, off the top of my head, I can't immediately think of anybody that could say that. that yeah, that's an astounding I mean, number. No, you, you just don't mean Yogi Berra had 10, and of course Bill Russell had 11, but as, as players, I guess, but you, not many people have 10 national championship football rings, college football right. rings. And that's what I was specifically thinking of, college national football championships. Uh, but... Well, sad, sad week. Uh, again, you wrote a great article that I read on Bama Magazine. What, what is that website again, just so people uh, who might want to read it could, it's could access it? It's BamaMag.com, John. It's part of the Scout.com, <clears throat> and you'll find sports next. It's BamaMag.com. Excellent. Well, I enjoyed the article. Again, uh, by you. any standard, he was a special human being. Uh, and, and, you know, I even I, as... More than a casual sports fan, but, you know, not someone who follows Alabama on a daily basis. I certainly knew who Mal, Mal Moore was, put it that way. He, and he was a great storyteller, John. He he was the backup to uh, Joe Namath, and he always tells the story. He put up his thumb and forefinger and said, I was that close to being Broadway Mal. <laughs> I like it. Well, that says it all. So, uh, once <laughs> he again. He embellished the story. He, he, was, he was funny. Yes, yes, and I can tell that, you know, obviously you had an affection for him, which came across in the story, so, uh, again, I, I really enjoyed reading it, and, uh, well, now we, you know, here we are, you know, Final Four weekend, and, uh, you know, great, great stuff last weekend, uh, you know, just before I leave it, I mean, I, you know, Michigan's obviously playing Syracuse tomorrow, and... I thought Trey Burke, National Player of the Year, named the other uh, yesterday, I believe. Uh, I thought his shot at the end of uh, regulation, 35 feet easy to beat Kansas, was just incredible. It reminded me of being at the Snowball with Adam Vinatieri, meaning the kick to tie it was the most amazing kick in NFL history. And I think Trey Burke shot to tie it was one of the more amazing shots in NCAA history. And, you know, then Burke comes out, hits, immediately starts overtime by hitting another bomb, and then yet a second shot after that. So he just, you know, put together, you know, whatever, eight points, you know, in a matter of a, less than a minute, I believe, you know, end of regulation, first minute of overtime. And they went on to easily win the overtime. So... Very, very impressive, and and here they are in the Final Four. And let me just add one other thing. You know, I thought uh, 
again, one of the great games I've seen in recent memory. But, you know, I just thought Kansas, again, they have a lot of games like this, a lot of, a lot of crazy losses, you know, uh, on their resume in recent years. And I know, and they also have a crazy win over Memphis to win the national championship with Bill Self. But, you know, they, they get involved in these unbelievable games uh, for better or for worse, it seems. Yeah, they sure do, John, and I'm sure Bill Self, who's an outstanding coach, he he's wondering himself, you know, why he gets in these predicaments and they can't seem to finish when they right. maybe have the better team, you know, most of the time, and, and the Kansas fans. But I think, you know, getting that one championship did soothe some of the pain in the past, but, you know, they probably had a good chance to get back, and Michigan was down, and they just couldn't get it done. No, it's amazing. It just uh, couldn't get it done. That says it all. But all credit to Michigan for, uh, you know, for getting it done. It, it was just again an amazing, amazing basketball game. And uh, so yeah, yeah, it's uh, it should be a good Final Four. I mean, you know, Syracuse right now is just playing lights out. I mean, their defense is so smothering. What they did to. Uh, you know, you know, to Indiana was just nothing short of re- remarkable, and then, and then uh, they had to hold Marquette to uh, 39 points. I mean, when I, when I first read that during the middle of uh, Easter dinner, I was like, I did a double take. What, like, what? 39 points? It must be a halftime score. And uh, so, you, you know, I, I mean, in my heart of hearts, what am I rooting for? You, you know, I, I don't have an overall rooting interest this side of Kevin Ware, right. but the thought of Louisville. Syracuse, the way Syracuse is playing and the way Louisville has frankly played all year for the national championship on Monday night is very, very appealing to me. Yeah, they've played three times, and, and um, Syracuse um, won early, and Louisville's won the last two. And, of course, that was in dramatic fashion in the Big East tournament when they were down by, what was it, 16 or so, and came all the way back and went ahead and was a runaway. I think they won by 17. So, you know, Louisville has the size and speed, and those two quick guards, they can get into that lane, and, which you must against that Syracuse defense because you can't make it a jump-shooting game, uh, you know, relying on your ability to make perimeter shots because that, that could be a loser for you if you have an off night. So you have to have another strategy besides just firing up three-pointers. Yes, yes. Well, what makes it unique right now and different from the previous times they've played, as heard right from Jim Beheim, you know, one of only three coaches to have over 900 wins, uh, the Syracuse zone defense, of which he is the architect, is playing the best right now that it's ever played. And that is an unbelievable statement coming from Jim Beheim. I heard him say it in the last 24 hours. So that's what makes the potential national championship game just mouthwatering as a matchup. Oh, yeah. And, John, when have you heard people talk about a zone? Right. That's the I amazing mean, I, thing. I can you remember a championship game. People just were, you know, praising a, a zone defense. You know, Bobby Knight, those type of people always playing man-to-man. And, sure. Or, or the pressing, like, Patino. And when has anybody said, yeah, I'm really afraid of a zone? I know it's remarkable, uh, followed under the, you know, things we never thought we'd hear anyone say. And yet 
we're we're saying it. I mean, to watch that zone right now is just uh incredible the last few games, you know, throughout the tournament. Uh well, AP, we're already at the end of our third segment. We still have some more Final Four talk among uh, another topic or two. So let's take our break now and wrap it up on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby, and still on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And, A.P., we are discussing a little Final Four. I always like to uh, put in the, our final segment my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing. And for me, of course, it's the two Final Four weekend games tomorrow night. Uh, for me personally, it's on the short list of top sports nights of the year. It really is because you got two games and, you know, knowing both winners go to the national championship and it's a night that I just absolutely love the Saturday night of the final four. I think John, that's a better day than the actual night of the championship. on Oh Monday. yeah. I totally because agree. You, get, it, you know, so you, many you know, fans, you have four teams and the city's, you know, rocking and, just everybody's excited with a chance to win a national championship, and I think it's a better day, actually. If I, if I had a chance to, to go attend one of the two, I'd attend the, the Saturday games. Absolutely true, and, uh, you know, it reminds me of what is probably my favorite day of the sports year, which is simply uh, the day of the AFC and the NFC championship games, winners to the Super Bowl. I just, I, I, I guess I, I like two games on the same day. Approach, especially when it leads the winners go to a championship game. I just love it. And we're going to get that tomorrow night. We haven't even touched on it, but quickly, you know, Wichita State 
They're the, quote, Cinderella. I mean, those guys are beasts. And I think, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to make Louisville work for it at minimum. Yeah, they're, they're the, I think they might be the hungriest team with the most to prove, John. And yep. they're, they're going to have to, you know, keep that game a jump-shooting game because I don't think you can chase those quick Louisville guards out front. I, I think you got to lay back and let them beat you from the outside because they're just too fast. When they get into the lane, they create so much disruption and problems. If, if, if they take a shot and miss, it doesn't really matter because you're not in a position to block out the big people of Louisville, and they clean up, and they're very aggressive, the Louisville big people. and uh, you know. But Wichita State, John, I think they're the first – Missouri Valley Conference seemed to make the final since Larry Bird, maybe Indiana State. Is that true? Maybe it is. I, I think you might be right, and uh, that's quite an act to follow, to say the least. But, you know, so it should be great. Uh, again, tomorrow night will be exceptional. And, you know, Monday night, despite what we just said about two games and favorite sports days of the year, there's still nothing like a championship game either, so Monday night will be fun, obviously, as well, so it's, it's just going to be a great weekend. Yeah, I look forward to it. I, I think, I, I would think Louisville and Syracuse will be playing Monday night. That's exactly what I think. Yep. Uh, it's official. We're on record now, and uh, <laughs> just before we depart here, uh, speaking of the Final Four, there's also the Women's Final Four, and I happen to tune in to the second half of the Baylor-Louisville, there's that name again, uh, game. Baylor, absolute prohibitive favorite, probably the greatest player in the history of women's college basketball, Brittany Griner. That was an amazing thing to watch, capped off by Kevin Durant being there and then going into the Louisville locker room. I mean, it, they were saying live on the telecast and then immediate post-game, uh, perhaps the greatest upset in the history of women's college basketball. I think I'd have to agree, and it was something to watch. Yeah, I would agree, John. I think they were a 24-point underdog. Right. And with Brittany Griner, the best player probably of all time. And I never see a team play so relaxed, and I don't think I've ever seen a women's team make 16 three-pointers in, in a crucial game. Right. They went for it. I give them a lot of credit, and, uh, you know, they didn't lay back. And, boy, you know, we referenced physical with Wichita State. I mean, that easily, you know, the most physical women's game I've ever seen, without a doubt. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, Robert Griffin III tweeters, uh, you know, tweets that, you know, Brittany Griner was just literally under siege from three, if not four players throughout the game. I mean, they had the perfect game plan offensively yes. and defensively. Of course, the offensive part, I think, was equally as difficult as the defensive, uh, you know, strategy to, to achieve. Exactly, exactly. No, and, you know, there were, I mean, they led basically the whole game only to lose the lead with, like, I think under a minute to go. And, you know, at that point, I think – you know, great comeback by Baylor, and I think I and most of the nation just said, all right, that's it, heck of a game, and, of course, Baylor is going to pull it out, but yeah. it didn't oh, turn yeah. out that way. They, they could have folded, John. You're, you're correct. I was watching that game, and I'm I'm thinking to myself, gee, what's Louisville going to do now? They ex- extended themselves with so much effort, and they're down so late in the game, but they just kept on pedal to the metal, and that, 
you know, that gal went down for that layup and Griner just pushed her in the back. And then, yep. and then I think she had missed the two free throws before or something like that, or maybe one or two. She knocked You're them right. both down, and, and Baylor was so flustered, they were supposed to run a play where Griner comes up to the half court and they throw the long pass and some guards or forwards are on the side. She hit them for a, a jump shot. They didn't even run the play properly. Right. It was a shot from midcourt that wasn't even close. And no. That was it. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, so I thought the Louisville coach did a good job with his girls uh, in that final minute or two to, to basically bring them home when, frankly, I thought it's over and Louisville is not going to, you know, pull it out once they lost the lead. But great game, and AP, you know, that's you know, we've been talking a lot of basketball, obviously, but uh, that's not the only basketball news. It sounds like you have uh, some breaking news, so to speak. Yeah, John, they're supposed to announce the class for the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall, Hall of Fame officially on Monday, but some names have leaked out uh, that will be entering the hall in September, and it's Gary Payton, Jerry Tarkanian, uh, Rick Patino, who if he won the championship on Monday, that'd be quite a feat to win a national championship and be announced to be a member of the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in itself. And then the name that uh, I was hoping for is Guy Lewis, the coach of the University of Houston, who's 91 years old, and I think it's a long time coming for him to make the Hall of Fame. He did so much for basketball in the Southwest. And for those of you who, who watch basketball on TV, he was the one who orchestrated that game January 20th, 1968 in the Astrodome. He brought UCLA into town, and when they were cutting the deal, UCLA mentioned, you know, would you mind if we use our, our broadcaster for the game, and they didn't want to break the deal, so the people who were on the television side said, sure enough, and the broadcaster was Dick Enberg, a young Dick Enberg. Wow, and I, for... I was a young kid. I remember that night. That's one of the short list of sports events, like the first Muhammad Ali, uh, Joe Frazier fight. I mean, you just remember it for the rest of your life. I can literally visualize watching that game that night from the Astrodome and as a young kid. And it was just, uh, again, you never forget it. Elvin Hayes outplayed Lou Alcindor that night. And, uh, yeah. Just amazing. So I'm totally with you. Guy Lewis uh, absolutely should be in the Basketball Hall of Fame. He What he did was amazing down in Houston for a long, long time. Yeah, he sure did. I, I think he was in five or six Final Fours. I mean, he didn't win a Final Four, but there are coaches in the Hall of Fame who didn't win a Final Four. I mean, we were talking before, I guess, Louis Carnesecca. He made one Final Four. He didn't win it the year uh it was Billy Noble had that upset at Georgetown. I mean, you have somebody like John Chaney, never was in the Final Four. Uh, someone like Pete Carrillo, he's noted for one offense particularly, and they're in the Hall of Fame. So I, I just think it was, a, you know, a misjudgment by those voters not to have Guy Lewis in years ago, and I'm hoping that his health is, is fine and he's able to make the trip to Springfield in September. Exactly, and we're down under 30 seconds, so my final thought would be, I'll bet the very first person to want to see Guy Lewis in the Hall of Fame would be John Wooden, and I think that says it all. John, that, that about caps it. I think you said it uh, correctly, and he would be so happy for his friend Guy Lewis. Absolutely. Well, AP, thank you again. Uh, college sports, 
absolutely dominating these days, and you are the expert, so it's uh, our pleasure to have you on and get your expertise. It's, it's just perfect. Well, thank you, John. You're way too kind. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, Voice America listeners, thank you for tuning in for another week, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.